day, women, fabulous women. This is Jerry DiPiano, and this is the Love Mia Vita podcast. Today, my special guest is Camille Wilson, and I am just so delighted to introduce Camille to you, but she will do much, much better with sharing with you her background and her commitment to women, and specifically women who are facing the challenges of the transition. Camille, welcome to the Love Me Avita podcast. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thank you so much for having me. I'm glad to be here with you today. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, how you landed uh, here, and, and why you are committed to helping women with the transition. Sure, sure. So um, I don't know how unique my story is. I, I after talking to, to, to many other women, uh, I seem to have find myself in, in this menopause space uh, as a result of firsthand experience. But I am the, uh, the founder and CEO of Menopause Made Modern by Claret Circle, which is a, um, a web-based user-generated ratings and review platform that's really designed to connect women with information, resource, products, and services uh, to inform uh, their own treatment approach to managing the multiple systems, symptoms associated with menopause transition. I myself am in perimenopause. I'm, I'm actively in perimenopause. I'm 47, soon to be 48 years old. And I started down this path um, really through research um, at about 43 years old. I started experiencing what I now know are my first symptoms related to perimenopause or, or menopause transition, as I, I, I tend to use those interchangeably. Um, but my earliest symptoms, and I, and I was not at all prepared for them at 43 years old, um, were a change in my menstrual cycle, and I had always been pretty regular, um, uh, some hormonal acne, which kind of puts you in the mind of puberty 2.0 and, and was quite frustrating and embarrassing at times. Um, but, but the one that took me most by surprise and concerned me most were um, mood swings and specifically um, intense bouts of rage that were really disproportionate to anything that I was experiencing that, any, that was being said or done to me. Um, and uh, that really, really kind of jarred me. Right. There were days where I felt so unpleasant that I didn't want to be around myself. And so I was like, what's going on with me? Um, one of the things that that kind of did bring it to my attention and and really had me explore and, and want me to, to, to what it, understand what is going on with me. Um, I, I have a 17 year old son who's now 17. Uh, but, but about four years ago, so he would have been 13 and in, in, in my earliest stages of, of experiencing um, these things, uh, I came in from work one day and, and, um, and my son was, was already home and, and I can't even remember what trigger, it could have been something very minor and I, and I started raging my term. And, and in the middle of it, I, I stopped and, and I, was, I was really taken aback by how my son was looking at me. He was looking at me like I had three heads. And um, I said, why are you looking at me like that? And he, he just says, I, I, don't, I don't know what I did. And really it, it just kind of brought me out of that. And I, and I proceeded to explain to him that um, son, I'm, I'm so sorry. Mom is hormonal. She's perimenopausal and 
you know how when you're really mean to mom, again, he's 13, you're really mean to mom and you can't, you can't help it and you can't explain why. Well, those are hormones. And when we can, when we can control it, we have to work hard to be really good to each other. And I hugged him. And then I went upstairs to my room and I cried. And I cried because um, what came up for me was how many women don't have the language or the understanding to know what's going on with them who feel, feel quote unquote crazy. And then how are their children and their loved ones experiencing them in, this, in, in, in those situations, in those dynamics? And, and, I, and, I was, and I came away with, that's not okay, right? And, and I actually blogged about that experience and I started blogging earlier, um, really more for my own edification. It was, I don't, I think maybe I had three readers at the time. I didn't know who was gonna, who was gonna read about my experience, but it was more cathartic and therapeutic um, to get what I was experiencing um, out into the world, to articulate it and to share it with others. Um, I was also informed uh, by the lack of um, diversity, cultural, racial, and ethnic diversity um, as I went looking and seeking out information around perimenopause uh, through storytelling. Um, many of the, the, the images that were present were of uh, Eurocentric uh, white women, but even conveying much older, right, in their 70s, 80s, white-haired. And this was so far from my own experience um, that I also felt compelled uh, to really put my voice out there and to contribute to a space, an inclusive, safe space where women of color felt that they could come and learn more about menopause uh, and share their stories and get information. You know, and I'm so grateful that um, that you're sharing this. Um, and you know, as a menopausal, actually postmenopausal woman uh, myself, uh, but reflecting on my own perimenopause and and some of the stages that I went through, I can, I am highly empathetic. I I lived that too. Um, you know, I remember when um, we were dealing with my dad who had a chronic illness, and there were you know there was a lot of family dynamics come from a a large Italian family. So you can just imagine there's a, there's a lot of emotion there, period. But um, <clears throat> we were dealing with issues related to his chronic illness. And my mom said something um, and I just popped off. I mean, I, I, I just went off. And normally I'm pretty, you know, I, have, I had a nickname years ago, Ms. Laidback because I tend to, uh, I believe in grace under pressure, at least at the mm -hmm. office, but not when it came to my family. So my husband, my brother, my sister, and my mom, just their jaws dropped and I felt horrible. So I ran, I, I actually escaped. My mom said, oh, I'm sure, I'm sure that, you know, she's okay. She's having a meltdown because she loves her dad so much. Wrong. Yeah. It was I was experiencing this menopausal symptom of, you know, I'm anxious. I am stressed. I'm I can't control my hormones. Ran up to my my old bedroom, locked the door, and I just was so embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And of course, then I, you know, we did all the, you know, the hugging and I'm sorry and what have you with all the family members. And I think they all thought, geez, you know, she's mm -hmm. really way too caught up in this. Nobody really attributed it, including me. 
to this is this was perimenopause. This was yeah. one of the symptoms of perimenopause. Sort of what were the stages that you were experiencing? Obviously, you you shared the one, and I I you know find that one a very troubling one. Yeah, yeah. I found that troubling because I it's, I I like being in control, and yeah. I was really out of control. It's um, you know it. I'm still actively experiencing it, right? I think one of the things um, that floored me early on in my research when um, I started to to kind of go to the internet to figure out what's going on with me, because that's the other thing, Jerry, is that I've I've had a lifelong or decades long relationship with an OBGYN. I started my menstrual cycle um, very early at the age of 11 and had developed um, severe dysmenorrhea by the time I was 13. So I've been going to an OBGYN since I was 13 and left, but never discussed this life stage or what to expect or, you know, what I would, um, that, it, that it could last up to 10 years, that there were upwards of 30 symptoms that I could experience on a, right at any given time on a rolling basis over the course of that that 10 years, right? And so that actually has, has been my experience. So um, I'm about four or five years in uh, knowingly into perimenopause and um, I'm still very much affected by, by different conditions that will manifest. I'm currently experiencing um, dryness, right? And it's, 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 it's in, a, in a myriad of ways or a number of ways, a myriad is a bit of, of an extreme, but a number of ways first manifested with uh, dry, brittle hair, dry skin. And those were things that, that I was managing okay. Uh, and then I developed dry eye, uh, which I was not at all familiar with and has been quite um, uncomfortable and at times disruptive to my life because um, it's my, my eyes, sometimes there's pain, sometimes there's itching. Uh, I can't wear eye makeup because it exacerbates that. And so as a woman, you know, I have to be on camera sometimes. And so it adds to my anxiety around what must I look like uh, without my eye makeup on. Um, so it's interesting how some of these things compound. Oh, it's so true. Um, so I remember years ago when um, I used to commute to New York City to Midtown Manhattan with a, with a friend and um, we were sitting on the train and she looked at me in with a face of horror and she said i think i'm dying and i i i was confused you know we were in our 30s we weren't you know so i you know what what's going on mm -hmm. and she said i think i'm bleeding through my pants mm. um and she said you know i've i, I this has been i've been i've had these episodes before infrequently but i've started having more of them and she said and i couldn't even tell my husband because he said you know well wait a minute um why are you buying all these pads you used to use tampons and now you're buying pads and you know what's going on with your body and she she couldn't tell him and um she wasn't working in the area of women's health and i was and you know had been doing some research at the time and I said, I think I know what's going on. We'll get you sorted out. So we managed to put a coat around her waist, got her yeah. to the room. She found what she needed to find to keep things under control until we landed in Trenton, New Jersey. Uh, 
And then she made it home. And I said, look, why don't we, why don't we have, you know, a chat about this? I, I think you may be in perimenopause, early menopause. And she said, well, I'm 37. But we forget that perimenopause, so there are many stages, even of perimenopause and menopause, and we don't often recognize those symptoms. So you describe sort of the hormonal changes that occur when, when things seem to be going awry and the, the dryness, right? Well, we know when, as our skin ages, yes, it's going to get dry and our hair is going to get dry and we're going to lose hair. And we take for granted that that's just part of maturing. Yeah. But it is, it, it is a sign that our estrogen levels are declining. Even the, you know, the changes in our menstrual cycles, and that's really the more obvious one, right? So mm-hmm. start to have changes in your menstrual cycle. Maybe we could talk a little bit about that. So, you know, the, it happens regularly, right? Yeah. For, for most, for, for women, if it happens, you know, every 28 or every 30 days or whatever your normal cycle is, it's your normal. It's that's right, that's normal. right. When you start to see that deviation, how does that, how does that show up? Oh my goodness. It's it's incredibly (laughs) stressful and concerning. And for me, that was one um, that coupled when my, when I noticed a change in my cycle and it was coupled with the, um, the mood swings and the hormonal acne, that's when I started to put the picture together. But I'd always had, as I mentioned, I started my period at age 11. And I'd always had a pretty consistent menstrual cycle. It would last about five days. The first couple of days would be the heaviest and then it would slow down. And then it was around this 43, 40, 44 years old. Um, not consistently, but every month was different. Now, some days, you know, I, w- I would have my period and the first two days would be lighter. And then the third and fourth day would be heavier. Well, that's not normal. Um, it was when I had my period within two weeks of each other that caused the biggest concern. I thought, oh my, oh my goodness, I, I, this is not sustainable. I can't have a period every two weeks, but it was very stressful. It was very stressful. And I've spoken to other, other women, Jerry, and I'm, I'm sure there's no shortage of stories. Women who travel with every uh, kind of iteration of sanitary napkin, tampon, um, because of this, it, it actually informs and guides their life, their menstrual cycle, not knowing when it's going to come or what the flow is going to be. I've spoken to women who just did not wear white, did not wear white. That would be me. <laughs> I, I mean, this is how it's affecting our lives. Like there are women who are planning meetings, uh, events, activities around their cycle at this life stage. And these are things that we need to be talking to each other about and supporting each other through. It's, it's, uh, so when we think about the, there are multiple stages, four stages, and we, we, we start to, um, we start to think about this as it, you know, in, in the context of our menstrual cycle, because, right, we were 10 or (laughs) 10 or 11 years old, and they brought us all into a room and they segregated us. So it was, Mm -hmm. Young women went to one room, the young men went to another room. I was wondering, what were the young men talking about? Like, like when the young women yeah. were talking about their periods, what were the young men talking about? 
Um, it, they should probably have left us all this. I, this is a, probably a generational thing too, but they probably should have left us in the same room. Agreed. So that the guys and the and the girls could have mutual have respect for one another as to what we were each going to see and, and experience in terms of our transitions from puberty into adulthood, et cetera. Uh, but I remember that we, you know, basically we're told that we're going to have, you know, our periods each month and that we would have to use some form of protection. And now you could potentially conceive. So mm -hmm. you can become a mom and, but, oh, it depends on where you went to school. You might not be told about birth control. That's right. right. That's you might right. not be told about sexually transmitted infections. And then no one told us about pregnancy. No one told us mm -hmm. about menopause or perimenopause. Mm -hmm. So if you think about the lack of information that women have historically received, look, you, you shouldn't have to go to medical school or to become a pharmaceutical scientist that's right understand your own body and it's really it's a shame because we we don't know enough about it so when we look at the various stages of menopause we know that you know you'll start experiencing things as you and I did with hormones and then there's that thing called a hot flash. I had no idea what a hot flash was. <laughs> oh, the night sweats. Yes, the I lovely right night sweats. I was having night sweats. I kept calling them night, uh, uh, mm. night sweats because I'm uh, pretty slender. And I was like, oh, my my body mass index is low. I probably don't have enough fat. That's, you know, so I'm probably mm -hmm. you know, just a little, and maybe I'm amenorrheic. I mean, like, amenorrheic, yes, you are amenorrheic. You are also perimenopausal. Are you yeah. kidding me? Nobody told me that. Mm. No, that the night sweats are, are also, those have, um, I've suffered with those for the past few years and, and really they're frustrating. I mean, it does explain why so many women are tired and exhausted every day is because we're not getting adequate sleep and, <coughs> pardon me, a correlation through, again, through my research, not anything that's necessarily been shared with me through discussions with my own doctor, is that when I do manage my sugar intake uh, closer to bedtime, if I have something sweet or if I consume sugar after 7 p.m., the likelihood that I'm going to have a night sweat increases. Uh, if I have a cocktail after 6 p.m., the likelihood that I'm going to have night sweat increases. So, so at least that's helpful for me now and I can make, you know, an informed decision. Am I going to have this, you know, cocktail? Am I going to have this piece of cake, you know, and, and weigh the trade-offs? But so much of this is, is, is information that I've had to kind of come to on my own or, or, or stumble across. And um, certainly four years ago when I started blogging, um, there was much less conversation, right? I don't even know that the conversations that you're driving today through the Mia Vita platform are um, um, were, were taking place with, with regularity. But um, now um, more people are starting to talk about it, uh, share their own experiences, empower with information that you should ask your healthcare providers. Um, and I just wanna be a contributing voice. Um, to, to that. Uh, you are definitely a contributing voice. And I believe that that women have, who turned 40 in the year 2020, which is a gigantic demographic, mm -hmm. um, have really led what we refer to as a menopause revolution. Yeah. And 40 is not old. I mean, 40 is right. young. And 
by the way, under 40s are potentially going through some of these early symptoms, peri, peri and premenopausal symptoms. And, and so they want to talk about it and they want to know about it and they don't want to be stigmatized. So there is That's a certain right. amount of ageism, right? So if you, if you share with your, um, your colleagues and your friends that you're experiencing some of these symptoms, you know, the ageism does creep in. So it, it does. doesn't surprise me that it wasn't a bit of a taboo topic. Well, I would suggest that if you're a guy and you're experiencing erectile dysfunction, um, that, you know, that's talked about and that's, yeah. actually in, that's talked about on television and it's talked that's about right. in radio and in ads. And you see guys in their thirties that are, you know, using products, uh, some are devices, some are prescription drugs or other types of herbal remedies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure why we don't talk about it more. I, um, I agree. And, and we, and we have to, to some, some things, you know, have been deemed taboo, certainly sexual health, sexual wellness. Um, but it's certainly how I learned about, uh, the great work that you all are doing, right. With Fem Pharma and your Mia Vita product is, um, that, vaginal dryness, right? I talked about how I'm experiencing other forms of dryness, dry hair, dry skin. These were things that were normal to me. Well, um, you know, dry eye. Okay, this is not normal. Let me look into this. Uh, had never had a, had a problem with what I call vaginal hydration, right? Until I did. And, and was completely unprepared for that. Um, set out researching learn the distinction between vaginal lubricant versus vaginal moisturizer and that we should be hydrating our vagina on a regular basis like we do our skin. This is something that I had no idea about, that had never been discussed with me. And um, yes, I have been using uh, Mia Vita product. <laughs> that is, no, no one asked me for that, but I, I have been, and it's made a significant difference in the quality of my life. And these are things, right? You know, how many, you know, in what forums, how many opportunities do we, are we in a situation where we're comfortable or asked to talk about our vaginal health and well-being, right? So. It's, so we joke about the, oh, you know, I have infrequent periods or sometimes they come too soon. So if your cycle mm -hmm. is 28 days and it starts to come in 14 days or maybe it disappears for two months and then yeah. it magically reappears and to the point that you made earlier, you're not wearing white or, or pale, you know, colors because you're concerned that you might be sitting there at a board meeting and the next mm -hmm. thing you know, there's a puddle and the yeah. puddle, you know, it, the puddle is pretty obvious what it is. Um, and it's the thought is, well, you really aren't taking care of yourself. Did you not know? Well, if you're perimenopausal and you don't know what to anticipate. So that's one that's a, that's pretty clear sign. Yeah. That's, that's probably happening in the earlier stages, right. Of your perimenopause. Um, and at that point you're still fertile. And that's, so right. that's the, that's the other um, so the, when the old ladies, the old Italian ladies that I knew would get together and say, oh, she had a change of life baby. Well, <laughs> and, and oh, I love that. It as a change of life. I've never baby. heard that before. 
And what they were really suggesting was that your fertility begins to decline at those early stages, but it, but you are still capable of conceiving. Yeah. So using a non-hormonal method of birth control, um, and if you're in a committed relationship, obviously that it may not be necessary to use a condom, but if you are in a, if you're in a situation where you're not in a committed relationship, obviously a non-hormonal form of birth control plus a condom to prevent sexually transmitted infections is really important to us all. That's right. So, so you're still capable of conceiving and the old Italian ladies would say, yeah, you know, she didn't think she was going to be able to conceive because she was 40. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah. And then there, you know, surprise, there, the surprise, is, baby. there is that love child. So um, in, in uh, among my siblings, we have a love child. Um, <laughs> You know, and so it's it wasn't distressing to uh, to either of my parents, thank goodness. But uh, but it was a surprise nonetheless. Yeah. My thought that she was in that beyond that stage. stage, and now she talks about it. So you know, I love my mom. Uh, she's awesome, and we can giggle now that she's much older and and more um, liberated in the way that yeah. she and I can communicate with one another. But the um, the the change in your fertility is another you know, another sign that one should be aware of, but understand that it may not be the case that you are so-called safe. That's um, right. That's right. You may still, um, you can still conceive. So that, that is in um, one of the stages of perimenopause. And then there are those tests. So we, we hear about the endocrine tests. Mm -hmm. Let, let's, chat for a minute about those endocrine tests. Let's. How, how reliable are those endocrine tests? I, um, you know, I, I, I am not a, a health practitioner myself. I've, I've not had um, any hormonal testing. I, I've relied on my own research my, and, and having discussions with my doctors. So um, I've known women who have tried the, the, in, you know, the endocrine test or the, you know, the tests at home. I personally, I, I have not tried those myself and I, I don't, um, I, I try not to, to judge what I don't understand or know, but I always start with having a discussion with your doctor and asking specific questions around that, so. And that's really good advice because to be very frank with you, the, the experts will tell you that endocrine tests alone don't necessarily tell the mm -hmm. true tale, right? Right. So reliance on symptoms is actually a better way to assess where you are. Now, if you wanted to know about your fertility, there are some endocrine tests that you that. That a, a physician could perform. But but really when it comes to menopause, because every woman is different, so you need to own your own menopause. That's and right. we may share some things in common. Maybe I've had hot flashes for a year. Maybe I haven't had hot flashes. Maybe I had these menstrual irregular, irregularities. And But each woman needs to own her own menopause and be aware of the symptoms. So doing, doing your research, tracking what your baseline is, and then trying to ascertain, well, wait a minute, how far beyond my baseline yeah. is my menstrual cycle? So if you're menstruating every 28 days and before you know it, it's 61 days, you know, that's a sign. If you're having night sweats, if you're having mood changes, 
if you're feeling more anxious. So you need to know your own baseline yeah. and how far do you stray from that baseline will give you an indication as, as to how your perimenopause is going in terms of the stages. And then thinking about when you are in, in menopause, you're, it's with, you're not gonna have a period and it's gonna be for an extended period of time, right? So, That's right. That's right. That's um, so right. you're not you're not there yet. So I not, I am not there yet. I am I'm still in 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 perimenopause. I still do get my my cycle monthly. I think I am one of those that is looking forward to when I don't get my cycle monthly. But I do have the full understanding that I will be fully menopausal after 12 consecutive months of not having a menstrual cycle. And so um, I am still. I still do. It it looks different every month but I still still get get a monthly cycle. Um, one of the other things, Jerry, that as you're talking about, and I think, oh, is this the irony of, of, of the condition? It's, is brain fog. I mean, the, the brain fog, and I just feel compelled to, to raise it because we were having the conversation around how um, in a regular menstrual flow or a heavy menstrual flow also informs how we navigate, particularly in the workplace, is, I, I am finding finding that myself uh, that, that brain fog is real um, in the form of um, forgetting my statement mid statement uh, words. I have a very expansive vocabulary. I actually pride myself on that. I was an English literature major. Um, I love words, and I cannot tell you the number of times where I just I can't remember what uh, in in midstream a statement. I can't remember what I was going to say a word that I might use regularly in conversation, I'm struggling to find. And I do feel that I'm fortunate in that um, I have worked in aging services. And so I made a commitment that even in professional forms, when that has, ha when it comes up, um, that I will say, I'm so sorry, I've lost my train of thought. I'm perimenopausal, I'm struggling with some brain, a bit of brain fog right now. I've been doing this consistently for about two or three years now. And oftentimes the response is met with an uncomfortable laughter. Um, but what it does for me is it takes away that anxiety that I think just compounds when we start to, oh my God, I can't remember what I was gonna say. What must they be thinking of me? I can't remember these words that I use. It, it takes some of that away, some of that anxiety build around um, I'm in this professional setting and I'm conveying as anything, but uh, I, it's so important for me to model, right? Hey, this is what's going on. Um, hopefully that word will come back to me and we can loop back to it. And I have found, I've never been met with negative response. Now I'm not going to say that's always going to be the case, but it's so important, right? For me to be able to articulate in these, in these settings, what's going on with me. Um, so that I can at least alleviate some of the, set the context, alleviate some anxiety and, and move through it. It's so important that we also destigmatize and remove those, that taboo, right? So the more yeah. we talk about perimenopause, menopause, postmenopause as being a normal transition. And again, it can, it can occur at various chronological ages. That doesn't mean, so age is a number. That's it. That's right. right? And yes, your body will go through these changes, but stigma taking that to the level that you do is so is really important. So, using you know the the 
pause word and just taking a deep breath, right? Just taking a deep breath and admitting that, okay, at this particular juncture, I have, you know, a bit of a lapse in, in my, you know, thinking and I need to take, I need to take a moment. And you can either say that to yourself, I That's need right. to take a moment and step back, or I like your approach better, which is, folks, I need to take a moment. I need to take a moment. That's right. I'm experiencing perimenopausal symptoms. I need to take a moment. You know, we, I talk with my team, of course, you know, we're women's healthcare company, but I talk <laughs> with my team uh, and I joke and I say, yeah, menopause, it's menopause. It's my menopause, my menopause, my menopause. Yeah. That it's, it's a fact of life. It and is I, a fact of life. It is it's a fact, fact of life, life and it's a natural transition. It's just, we've been transitioning since we were born. We transitioned right. in the womb. So That's you know. right. That's right. So, and how do we normalize it, right? How do we normalize it in the workplace and destigmatize it? And, you know, my hope is that um, because, because Jerry, I, I, I've been fortunate to work remotely, but for me, that has been <laughs> an upside of, of, um, of pandemic. But um, before that, I was, I was walking around the office, looking at other women thinking, who else is feeling like this? Who else is, I can't be the only person. And so that was part of why it was important for me to, to articulate it. And my goal is that, you know, five, 10 years from now, it's not met with an uncomfortable laughter or a quick diversion, right, to change the subject that, but that it's, you know, okay, got it. Thanks for sharing that with us. We, we understand. And, and it, we just continue on in discussion. So when we, when we have these, when we have these conversations, we also believe that it's so important to include men in the conversation. Yes. Uh, we, we did a blog post and an interview with one of our scientific advisory council members who has been a gynecologist for over 20 years. And uh, the, the topic was why every man needs a gynecologist, right? <laughs> so it's important that, right? It's important to, ha to have that mutual respect. By the way, men are going through their own things. We're not, mm, yeah. that's not the subject of this podcast, but it is important if you have a male partner, but if you have a same sex partner, it's also important to have that conversation because your male partner clearly doesn't have the equipment that we have, the ovaries, the uterus, the vagina, the vulva, the clitoris, important part of the body, a uh, very important part of the very body. Very important part. So we, he doesn't have those body parts. So providing that education is important and helping him to understand, no, you're not, you, yes, it could be a serious medical condition if you are having dysfunctional uterine bleeding that causes this problem every month. And if there's mm -hmm. pain and if there's bloating and other signs, Maybe time to call the doctor, maybe time yeah. to have that visit, but he needs to know, no, I'm not dying. Or by the way, I may be uncomfortable having sex with you because I yeah. have not stopped bleeding for 12 days. It is very heavy. Right. And unless we want to change the linens <laughs> several times during the act, I think it may not be the most convenient time for That's us right. to, to, to be. And it might not. And it might not be comfortable. Exactly. Yeah. And, and by the way, we're not obligated to have intercourse with our partners. That's right. So it, it's really, you know, but, but you see to that point, 
Jerry, I, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in a number of um, community forums, um, perimenopause, menopause support, and, and the stress and the, and the frustration and the burden that women are carrying around it, vaginal dryness or just lack of desire and the implications that it's having uh, in the relationships with their partners, even even kind of the the mood the moodiness, right? Where they um, it is affecting very much relationships, and I see so many women struggling, thinking that it's them, right? That they're doing something wrong, and so that's why it's all the more important for um, conversations like this one that you're leading and that you lead uh, on your podcast, but for us to do more of it. And so, so women are not so alone and, and blaming themselves. Absolutely. And you touched on the, you know, the very sensitive topic of the vag the vagina and the vulva and, and the clitoris, which uh, the, we, we often talk about the vagina and the vulva. Mm -hmm. uh, our pleasure center is the clitoris. Um, yes. Thank goodness for the clitoris. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and we, we deserve to be, we deserve pleasure. It's we do. Sin. We deserve pleasure. Um, our partners need to understand that. But if your vulva and your vagina are dry, it makes it, the touch part mm -hmm. feel pretty awful. So when, when we when we speak with women like yourself and others um, and, and our, our scientific advisory council and, and healthcare practitioners, what they tell us is women are really embarrassed um, mm. to admit that they may have vaginal and vulvar dryness. Yeah. Now, this condition will affect one out of every two women between the ages of 40. I did not know that. And 70. And it, it's chronic and persistent. If you don't take yeah. care of your vagina, and yeah. your vagina, the problem won't go away. So you got to take care of it if you want it. And it's not just a sex thing. So Yes, we want to make sure that we have adequate lubrication during intercourse, but it's really about vaginal and vulvar moisturization. Because if your vulva is itchy, mm -hmm. burning, and if your vagina is sore, then it doesn't make sex very pleasurable. But you can't yeah. just you can't just do this mid act. Hold on, let me get up. Let me mm -hmm. get the Mia Vita personal lubricant <laughs> vaginal moisturizer. Use that product to help you to take care of your life, which is why we named yeah. it. It's about you. It's about your self-care. And I know you are a big proponent of self-care. I love your blog. Thank you. Thank and, you. And women need to remember they need to take time for themselves. And by the way, the vulva, vagina, the clitoris, they're all, they are all mucosal surfaces, which means they need more tender, loving care. So that's just right you would moisturize those eyes or your mouth if you have dry mouth or this beautiful skin mm -hmm. you need to also take care of the skin that intimate skin and that's what we forget as women we stop at the waist yeah no it's so important I mean and and this falls under self-care it's um to your point I've spoken to so many women who get to this life stage and, and feel like pleasure is either uh, a frivolity or something that they're no longer entitled to. And that's why we have to keep talking about this. And we have to keep talking about um, uh, what, what products and solutions are out there that can help with this, like Mia Vita, because 
Um, I'm 47, yes, soon to be 48. Um, I also know that God willing, and if you know, I remain in good health, I will likely live a 40, another 40 years. And I want a, a quality and healthy sexual experience to be a part of that. I, I want to enjoy sex with my partner. And so what does it look like for me to take care of myself, right? And to be able to enjoy that well into my future years. So uh, it, it's, it's something we should be talking more about. Women, women should, should care for ourselves. We should be caring for ourselves and know that we are entitled to pleasure throughout our life stage. Absolutely. So before we um, end our podcast together, I want you to remind women of what, um, what you've created, uh, where they can find your, uh, your site, your blog posts, because you are definitely one of the strongest women advocates for this area. And we want women to know about you. And we are just so excited that you are joining Love Mia Vita podcast. Um, oh, thank we, you. We, there's there's got to be a part two. So. I would love it. We can have a part two, three, four, however, <laughs> however many times you're willing to have me on. I'm glad to join. And um, yes, you can, you can learn more about me and and read the blog and, and the work I'm trying to do to connect women to share information about what's working for them and what's not uh, at menopausemademodern.com. Uh, I also uh, am, am posting content on Instagram um, and that's at menomademodern and you can follow me there uh, or on Twitter. And, and yeah, it's, it's um, there. I also do some wraparound content that is, that is tailored for women of color. Um, and you might come there and, and think it's not for you. You, you, you do see um, more, more uh, black and brown hues, but the content is designed for anybody who will find it uh, of use. And so please, yeah, check, check us out at menopausemademodern.com. Camille Wilson, it has been my pleasure to have a conversation with you on the Love Mia Vita podcast. And I can't wait for the next time. So. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Be well.